It seems like the Asian American is a perpetual foreigner, never fully accepted as American, no matter how many generations we're here. The issue of immigration is affecting so many different communities. It's not simply affecting only the Latino community. What I say all the time to my clients is that um, immigration is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Immigrants are being affected by uh, policies and laws that are unjust, and everyone really is asking um, for some reform. A lot of the rules and regulations just don't make any sense to people. But at this time, this is the only system that we have. Hello everybody, I'm ABC7's Linda Yu. Recently, at an Asian American fundraising dinner, the speaker echoed the words of President Obama's Grant Park speech, noting that his election is not the change we seek, it is simply the chance to make the change. Here in Chicago, few things are more important to the Asian American community than the need for change to our country's immigration laws and policies. Along with my colleagues, Judy Sue and Ravi Bechwal, we'll share our own immigrant history and talk to the people on the front lines of comprehensive immigration reform. More important, we'll share the stories of Asian immigrants who stand at the threshold of opportunity and the American dream. On April 30th of this year, Senator Charles Schumer of New York held a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee hearing on immigration. That hearing was titled, Comprehensive Immigration Reform in 2009. Can we do it and how? The answer to that question from the Asian community in Chicago is not can we do it, but we must do it. How we do it has been the work of community groups and religious organizations that have been advocating for reform. The Asian American Institute is one organization that has been actively raising the profile on this issue. Being a pan-Asian organization, we really work with a lot of communities of uh, different ethnic groups, like the Vietnamese community, the Chinese community, Indians, Filipinos, Pakistani, Koreans. The system that uh, immigrants are dealing with and are living in the midst of is very important uh, to reform and to fix because these are lives that are being affected. The Asian American Institute wanted to put an Asian face on immigration by collecting 100 immigration stories in the first 100 days of the new administration in Washington, D.C. One of the reasons that AAI feels so strongly about bringing forward the stories of Asian American immigrants is that we want to be able to put a human face on immigration. Hopefully a new administration is more receptive to um, the kinds of immigration reforms that we want, ones that are more humane towards immigrants, um, see them as not just workers and not just parts of um, our economy, but real people with families and um, lives. And it is particularly these lives in the Asian community that are often unnoticed, lives of working Asian immigrants with documentation. It needs to be understood that comprehensive immigration reform is necessary so that immigrants who have been part of the working force can continue to do so. Employment and the opportunity to obtain a work visa is only one aspect of immigration reform that advocates want to address. Family unification, a pathway to citizenship, a more expedient and reliable process for visa applications are some other aspects that organizations such as AAI are looking to change. In the Asian American community, often um, Asian families are disproportionately affected. 
It is a mother trying to reunify with their adult child, or it's a husband who's trying to bring over um, his new wife. Um, there are lots of situations that involve families and that involve individuals, and immigration, first and foremost, is a human rights issue. Christina Gonzalez, a Filipino-American, has been separated from her son for four years. Every time I remember my eldest son, he was by himself in the Philippines, I feel, I feel lonely, you know. I'm missing my son. I'm always, I'm always worried about him. All three of Christina's children petitioned to enter the United States together. Her eldest son, Jeremy, reached the age of 18 before their visas were granted, resulting in the need to re-petition him as an adult family member. I have to wait three to four years to, pe to petition my eldest kid. And, uh, oh my, it's so long. It's a long waiting for me, you know. If I can get him right now, I'll do that. I think people are really shocked when they find out how long it's going to take for family members to be able to come here to the United States. Bonita Cho, a veteran immigration lawyer in Chicago, knows very well the lengthy waiting periods families such as Christina's must endure. A lot of times they're coming, I mean, not just for economic reasons, but they're coming uh, for their children. I think a lot of countries abroad find um, America still kind of an amazing place. One of the biggest things is, is if they would um, increase the number of immigrant visas they allot for family-based petitions. So right now there's a very small number that has not changed in many, many years and I think doesn't adequately reflect the actual immigration of people wanting to come to the United States. For now, Christina must be content that she has made the right decision for her younger children, her daughter Jamaica and her son Justin. In the Philippines, you know, when you get, when you get older, you cannot find a good job. Here I can have a good job, so I choose here to give my kids a good future especially education, you know. So I, I choose U.S. I know I can give them a better life here. When we return, Judy Sue shares the story of one Japanese-American woman who has raised her voice for social justice and at the same time increased the profile of the Asian-American community in Chicago. Welcome back to Asian Influences Dream America. For many of us, success here in the United States means making our parents proud. Judy Sue has welcomed the opportunity to honor the sacrifices of her parents. My story began in Taiwan. Mandarin was my first language. My mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad, a grandmaster of Tai Chi. He traveled around the world teaching Chinese martial arts. I had never been on a plane until I was 11 when we immigrated to the United States. Our destination, Chicago. We lived just outside of Chicago's Chinatown first. I remember watching my parents struggle with their limited English and everyday tasks like renting an apartment and registering us in school. I remember not being able to order a hamburger. We pointed at pictures. Eventually, Dad opened his own martial arts school in Rogers Park, and when English became easier for me, I had the job of translating for him like most immigrant children do. I'll never really know all the sacrifices my parents made. I know mom worked the overnight shift stocking shelves at Venture just so she can practice her English. My dad never had the chance to learn how to drive. Today at age 80, he still takes the bus and the train. The only thing they have ever asked of me, get good grades and be a productive citizen. They are proud immigrants and I hope I'm making them proud. And we share our immigrant story understanding that everyone has had a different experience. 
Anti-Asian immigration policy dictated the Japanese-American experience. Kyoko Fujiyu's story is both a story of immigration and the politics of a world at war. What may surprise you is that Kyoko was born in the United States. I was uh, 17 and a senior in high school, and I was anticipating graduating with my class uh, until December 7, 1941, when Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And that actually changed my own sense of self and identity because up until that time, I just felt as though I was fully an American. Those of us who lived in San Francisco area were told to assemble and we were incarcerated in a stable inside this uh, racetrack and there were barbed wire fences around and uh, guard towers. I really believed at that time, and I still do believe, in all of the things that the Constitution is supposed to grant for those who are citizens. So it really was a turnaround for me that was very difficult uh, at an early age. A movement among the religious community in Chicago to allow Japanese-American students to resettle and pursue their education restored hope for Kyoko's future. The historic peace churches like the American Friends and the Church of the Brethren advocated on behalf of those who were incarcerated as students. Along with her late husband, a Methodist minister, they began a family, and their new life in Chicago took on a vocation of service. My parents' values and their, their activism had a huge influence on my life, and particularly after we moved to Northbrook in the early 1960s because my father was asked as a minister to break racial barriers and take a church in a suburb that was primarily white. So it really established that importance of being involved in, in social justice from a very young age. And then I um, decided to go into social work. Kyoko's daughter, Jean, continues her work in community organizing, working as a consultant with organizations like the Asian American Institute. What surprises me about my parents' history is that their faith and belief in what is just and right continued they could have easily been disillusioned and like many pulled back from participating in society but they instead became community activists comprehensive immigration reform brings Jean back to where her family started she recognizes it as an opportunity to once again advocate and organize on behalf of the Asian community I do hope that uh, there are opportunities and paths to citizenship, but I feel strongly that unless uh, there is that movement for social justice, then nothing will change. And one of the things that discouraged me so much during my own experience of the U.S. concentration camp experience was I had felt that there was so much silence. 
Today, the Fujiyu family is on a fifth generation of Japanese-American history. While it is still a work in progress, Kyoko's daughter Jean has continued her legacy of service. One of the strengths of the Asian-American community is their family values and their sense of community, that they do help each other and families do take care of one another. When we return, Ravi Bechwal has a story of a young professional who, despite his legal immigration status, is hoping time doesn't run out on his ability to make a difference in Illinois. Welcome back to Asian Influences Dream America. There are many ways to get a visa into the U.S., and that's partly what makes immigration a complex process. Here's Ravi Bechwal with his story. My story begins in the post-independence days of southwestern India. My parents were teenagers when they met, and they both confessed that it was love at first sight. In 1961, he embarked on a master's in engineering from the University of Toronto. He sent for his wife and my elder sister, who was three, and they settled in Canada's financial and cultural heart. And that's where I and my kid sister were born. Nearly 40 years later, I was presented with an opportunity to come to America. My dad, who had just passed away, it seemed, had engineered this turn of fate. And I'm sure that if he were alive, he would have advised me to go for it. And so that's why I'm here with ABC News with an O-1 visa, seeking a green card, and my family and I adore America. Now to Samir Goswami. He holds an H-1B visa, an employment visa as well. And he has applied for permanent resident visa status, and that process has kept him waiting. Immigration law, filing an immigration application, is about making the least mistakes. There are a certain amount of visas available every year for family-based petitions or employment-based petitions. People think that we arbitrarily process applications, that we look at people's race or ethnicity, which is really not the case. The United States Citizenship and Immigration Service is continually processing visa and naturalization applications. But the law of supply and demand is at work. The demand for permanent resident visas exceeds the limit. There are four countries that are oversubscribed. In other words, there are more people coming from those countries than there are visas available. And those countries are China, the Philippines, India, and Mexico. At this point in the process, Samir must apply for permission every time he wants to travel in or outside of the United States. It is that process that makes him worry about losing touch with his family in India. I may not have the ability to be there for my parents in time of illness. I simply may not be able to go back home without a threat of that I can't come back to the U.S. to be there for my parents as they're aging. I have a work permit while I'm waiting. So the American government has already realized that this person is worthy of our consideration and while we're considering him, we'll allow him to work. Well, that should also then come with the benefit of me being able to travel. The son of a retired Indian diplomat, Samir understands and respects the process. Immigration is a very big deal. It's a big deal for a country to say, we are going to let you into our country and stay here and work and be part of us. That's a big deal. I respect that completely. If you're, for example, from India and a country that's oversubscribed and there aren't visas available yet, it could be several years. It could be many years before there's a visa available. In a country that has such a proud tradition, of immigration. We shouldn't just leave it up to luck. I should be able to rely on good, sound public policy that has to do with immigration 
to allow me to stay and contribute, not on pure luck. Good sound policy is something Samir knows about. He's policy director for the Project Against Sexual Harm, a nonprofit that advocates for laws that protect victims of sexual violence. We have, for about a decade now, followed every rule, every processes that has been established. But it's been very difficult. It's because of pure luck that I'm even here, documented, working, and contributing to Illinois. Samir estimates that in the last 10 years, he has spent several thousand dollars in application fees and legal fees. At this point, until he gets notice about his application for permanent residency, all he can do is keep waiting. I haven't broken the law uh, to stay here. Um, and there's millions of people like me. We have a job and we're paying taxes. We should be able to rely on a fair, sound immigration system that'll give us a fair shot at becoming full legal residents. When we come back, I'll introduce you to a Korean organization that's putting their best foot forward in support of the DREAM Act. For more information about this program, log on to abc7chicago.com. Xi'an is the city of China where I was born. It was the imperial capital of China. When I was about a year old, my father left for the United States to study for one year. He thought he would return to China and didn't know that he would never see his homeland again. While my father was in the U.S., he got the news about Mao Zedong and the Communists' march across China taking power. Because my father was a Protestant minister and my mother was part of the Chinese royal family, my father knew we needed to get out of China. We moved into some rooms in the new territories. At that time, that was an undeveloped area just outside of Hong Kong. Now, we stayed there hoping we would be able to join my father in the United States. It turned into a two-year wait. Now, in the meantime, my father was desperately trying to find a way to bring us to the United States. It finally was a radio interview that helped. A blind minister had a radio program. He heard about my dad's situation. He interviewed my dad on his radio program. And he brought up the difficulty of getting a permanent residency. Also the fact that we were stuck in Hong Kong, dependent on the kindness of strangers because dad couldn't work in this country. And that a Chinese church in his city, Philadelphia at the time, wanted to hire him as its pastor, but he couldn't work under a student visa. So he couldn't send any money to support us. A Pennsylvania congressman was listening. The result? We now have an act of Congress that allowed my dad to become a permanent resident and allowed us finally to enter the U.S. Education is a big part of any American success story. Efforts to pursue a quality education are in vain for the youngest population of immigrants, undocumented students. I've been living in the United States for nine years and living in the United States without with the immigration status is very hard because there's a lot of things that I cannot do. I'm a documented student and I'm 19 years old. I have a lot of problems because I'm undocumented, especially in education part. For the undocumented student, immigration reform is the only option for a chance to achieve an American dream. It is difficult. Uh, for them to even talk about their immigration status because it's not their fault that they're undocumented. They got education here, they're, they have their family here, they have their friends here, they're bilingual, bicultural, but then all their life 
they have built is here. Young Sun Song and An Young Lee recognize that these students have no voice in this country. Advocating on their behalf is part of their work with the Korean American Resource and Cultural Center. The majority of our students were either U.S. born or are documented, but we do have a population of undocumented students. 78% of our community member came um, after 1980, and one in five of us are undocumented immigrants, and a significant number of them are age of 18 or younger. Since 2001, a version of what is now known as the DREAM Act has been repeatedly introduced to both the House and the Senate. Sponsored locally by Senator Dick Durbin, it has yet to pass into law, despite its bipartisan support. If DREAM Act passes, it will give the students the opportunity to achieve their dream in America because they are Americans and America really is their home. What's at stake is the future of the Asian American community and how these young people will contribute to the fabric of life in America. There are a lot of things that undocumented students face that are not so visible to the greater community. First is lack of confidence, and second one is restricted freedom. They can't receive the scholarship awards that they have earned uh, through their schools. Uh, they cannot apply to um, some universities and colleges because of the necessity of putting in a social security number or the fact that you're a citizen. I came here when I was little, and this is my home. I am an American too. In March of this year, the DREAM Act was reintroduced to Congress. With a bipartisan effort and approval of the Senate, this bill, if passed, will give undocumented students a conditional pathway to citizenship. For these students and the many documented immigrants in the city, the Asian American community will continue to organize and call for comprehensive immigration reform. On behalf of my colleagues Judy Sue and Ravi Bechwal, I'd like to thank the Cambodian Association of Illinois and the Cambodian American Heritage Museum for allowing us to share their space for our program and invite you to visit the museum and their Killing Fields Memorial. I'm Linda Yu. Thank you for watching Asian Influences Dream America.